Hello and welcome to The Cut Music. We are your hosts, Mike and... The Moosh. <laughs> Moosh. Yes. Are you ready to go? Are, are, are you and our audience, hopefully, are you ready to go across the pond again? I'm always ready to go across the pond, man. I love man. being I've across my, the pond. My pontoon is ready. My <laughs> sailboat is hoisted. Let's, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so once again... We got artists on the show. We have an artist and a producer that uh, we discovered on Twitter recently. And once again, uh, we are going across the pond to Europe. This time we are going back to Britain, uh, back to England. And we'll get more specific on the, uh, on the geography uh, in a bit. But we want to welcome JJ Lovegrove, the artist, and, and uh, Minus Cube, her producer. How's it going, guys? Hello. Yeah, hey. good, thanks. How are you guys? We're f- good, good. Thank you. Yeah, ex- excited. excited to have you guys on. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, have um. So, how I want to start just by asking, and, and JJ, we'll start with you. How long have you been uh, into vocals or any other instruments? Like, what what was your what was your catalyst for discovering that you you had uh inspiration to share your voice and i don't know if you even play anything else but just to produce music for the world uh yeah well i've been doing it for quite some time now um i think i got my first keyboard when i was four um and yeah i've just i've music's always been in my family and it's just been how i've interpreted the whole world kind of um making sense of it and then putting it into lyrics or music um I've kind of done the whole band thing and then bands have broken up and stuff. And then, um, yeah, just sort of going solo now on my own. And, um, yeah, it, it's just always been something I've done really. It's just how I've processed everything. And I play keyboards. Um, <laughs> I tried to play piano in the orchestra and they told me that it had already been taken. So I had to learn how to play the timpani, which is like a big orchestral yeah. drum. Um, yeah. That thing's awesome. Which is very similar to a piano, obviously. Um, so I don't know how that worked out, but, um, and then I played cello for a little bit as well at school, which Ooh. was really difficult to get on the school bus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's just always been the way I've, I've i don't know anything else and i don't when lockdown happened i didn't really have an identity so um yeah it made me realize it was all i do really wow that's good yeah multi-instrumentalist it's impressive yeah you, and you got i don't uh, play cello now i didn't really play cello back then to be honest but it's <laughs> it was a little phase i went through what can i say well, i was gonna say you you cross over all of the, all of the instruments that uh the moosh and i love from keys to uh to drums which is which is what i play and then strings i love strings it's- <laughs> yeah just a solitary cello i mean it's yeah. nothing more beautiful for me. Yeah, it's beautiful. No, I absolutely love it. I, I went uh, uh, with my cousin to a Taylor Swift quartet uh, string or a uh, uh, string quartet that played a bunch of her songs. And I'm not a, not the bit large, I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but hearing a lot of these hits in a church with absolute uh, in a cathedral rather with like this insane sound. Uh, I, I'm jealous. I've always wanted to try playing a cello, and I've never gotten around to it. So kudos for you. Uh, I, I don't have to worry about taking it on a school bus, but <laughs> and uh, I'd be concerned if you were. <laughs> Ouch. <Yeah. laughs> All right, uh, and minus cube. What what was your 
how did you how, how did you get involved in in all of this i'm curious uh, i i've done audio production for a very long time it's the longest music anything i've ever done i'm curious to hear if our stories have any similarities how did you get involved in your craft um again it started with being you know, a musician so just making music and uh being in bands for a long time in years gone by um doing all of the things that one would try to do to try and get attention from record labels back in the day and, you know, playing everywhere and anywhere you could, um, great and not so great venues, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and then, uh, so I played, yeah, the guitar really was my, is my main instrument. Um, but as, as time went by and bands kind of came and went, um, I still needed to keep doing music. So I sort of, created the artist name minus cube uh, my real name is joe <laughs> so you can happily call me that by the way okay uh, and um uh that was like a sort of side, side project thing once my main band sort of decided to go nowhere um and then um it was like a bat uh, it was a solo thing then it sort of developed into a bit of a band where there was three of us um and we did a bit more kind of alternative rock slash grunge type of sound um and then as time has gone by after that it's just come back to it was just basically me so then i reached out to to judy because i was continuing to write songs still the whole time but um really i i'm not a good singer so <laughs> um <laughs> it was like uh let's um if i can find someone that can that can sing then i can sort of progress to the next stage so during the time during that time i have sort of basically taught myself one way or the other uh music to produce my own music um and you know i'm still learning it's just a never-ending um challenge <laughs> where you continue <laughs> yeah. to sort of you have to start somewhere i've always found it to start somewhere and then you just keep going and you kind of just gradually improve upon what you're doing. And, um, that's, I mean, hopefully <laughs> that's where hopefully. <laughs> I, hopefully I feel like that's kind of hopefully happening, um, over these years. But, um, so yeah, when I, I, I contacted Judy because I'd heard some of her previous songs and, uh, I was just really impressed. And at the time, um, I was just, yeah, just hoping to maybe try and do something a bit more unique than what I had been doing um, previously. Uh, so we just decided to see how, see if we could make, write a song or, or do a cover. It was the Nine Inch Nails cover, actually, was the first thing we did. Um, just to see, here's some sort of common ground, which we both enjoyed, and then yeah. see where it would go, you know, and it, and it's led us here so far. <laughs> I'm um, yeah, super grateful. But it's yeah, the production side is a, a never-ending challenge, but a lot of fun too. You know, it's a lot of fun. I do enjoy uh, it, it, it. It's a blast. One of my favorite things to do is to have you know forty or fifty tracks all on top of each other, unmixed, <laughs> and then try to find a way to make every sound go it sound like one it's it's one of my favorite things to do and the, uh, believe it or not there is a similarity to how i got involved in audio production you started doing it because you didn't want to sing i started doing it at like 15 because i didn't know how to play an instrument or sing 
at the time. And I'm like, I need everybody else <laughs> to do all of that stuff. And I'll handle, I'll, I'll play this little mix. I'll do this, you know, the mixing of all this. But I, I will, I will tell you, Joe, that there are two things that were very apparent to me the very first time I listened to JJ. And that was her voice, but the production as well. The production is solid. It's, it's so well mixed. And, uh, I don't know where, where how you came up with minus cube, but one <laughs> one thing that is that is uh, missing from your production is overproduction and too much. You leave a lot of air and and space around everything that all these instruments that you're playing, the reverb, uh, it's uh, th- that you use and the way you just fill up space even with nothingness is is very like i that's what i aspire to do when when i'm doing uh audio production it's very noticeable um, oh well thank you <laughs> no it's hey funny, well actually, done because well thank you it's funny you mentioned it because like when you said you know 60 or 70 tracks <laughs> that's definitely true with some of these things i'm i'm actually quite um you know i need reining in sometimes because i could happily you know create multiple loads and loads of tracks and let's see what works and then sometimes you end up thinking actually oh, they all kind of sound so good i don't really want to get rid of all of this stuff but then you <laughs> like you say you've got to find a place for it and that's either you've got to make some kind of tough decisions and actually get rid of things or you do try and find a way but um yeah thank you that's that's really lovely of you to say thank you no de- uh definitely and that's that's really where it comes in when you have those 60 or 75 tracks making them sound like there are there's only 20 going on and your your listener is hearing things that they don't realize they're they're hearing but if you took it out it would make all the difference that's to me that's that's like that's what makes audio production more fun for me than anything else uh in the in the music process but uh i think you guys are are a great match for one another uh i i think uh jj your voice just soars through that emptiness that that Joe leaves behind for you, and it's it's a it's an excellent mix. And you guys mentioned your Nine Inch Nails cover, which I believe is only available on YouTube, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is because um, you know license license rules. I don't know how uh, how it goes in terms of getting it to be uh, sold, you know. But yeah, YouTube. It's right for now. That's crazy. Uh, do, do you uh, do you want to introduce this song and and uh, talk about the process? We can we can certainly start with that. I agree. Covers are a great way to get to know another musician. That's how Moosh and I got to know each other was by yeah. doing a Radiohead cover. Um, oh great! Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Actually, that would be which we, which track did you do? We have an uh, we did Karma Police, Karma Police, and yeah. uh, we we have an episode in the works where because Bush and I are always talking about how long we've been musicians and stuff, and we've never played anything we've done, but we have also never. I, Moosh has, I've never aspired to be at your guys' level uh, as an artist, as a producer, sure, but uh, we're actually putting an episode together that will feature that uh, at some point in the future. It's in the works. Um, but uh, so, uh, JJ, do you want to introduce this, uh, the Nine Inch Nails track? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, yeah, this is our kind of test bed for what we could do together to kind of come from different ends of the spectrum, maybe musical taste wise and meet somewhere in the middle and uh, just kind of see where it left off. So yeah, I'm really happy with this result and it's kind of led to everything from now. So yeah, this is our cover of um, right where it belongs. See the animal. 
All right. I know you probably can't see because we're on a Zoom call. There's like goosebumps on my oh, yeah. arm. <laughs> like, dude, the vocals right there, like that whole like cacophony towards the end where everything's just blending into each other. And you have like this this array of all of your voices just kind of the way it's mixed. And it's like almost um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, haunting. It's like a haunting like um, uh disembodied voices just all over the place and then you're like the lead vocal kind of comes through and you hit like those notes which aren't easy notes to hit because there's it's like a a, an off melody from like where the chords are and like as a singer i was like wow that i didn't hear that note in my head but it totally fits like all the microtones and everything in there are are amazing um yeah i was blown away as that kind of just the whole song is one giant crescendo and it's that was amazing. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm not the. I'm not a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. I do love Trent Reznor um, as as the person he projects himself to be, and as a producer, uh, I've actually I don't think I've ever heard the original of that. Um, but what I what I will say is, uh, Joe, the the mixing and and as I said, leaving room for JJ to, to, uh, to fill was amazing. And as Moose was saying, you know, the giant crescendo, but JJ, this is something I, I, I've only been practicing vocals for three years. Uh, Moose is the resident vocalist, uh, here on the show. Um, but one thing that I have (laughs) learned is that outside of pitch and tone, there is the, there's conviction. And you, it's not something, I don't think it's something that can be taught. I think it's something that everybody can learn, but you have to learn it for yourself. And mm. you have this voice that I can only, like the way you do that, The one of my favorite female artists of all time is Ann Wilson of Heart. And one of the things that I love about her that that I get from from your music is I feel like you're speaking to me. There, there's conviction in there to where it's not, you you your vocals sort of refuse to be background music and it, there's something in there that makes the listener want to actually not hear you but listen at the same time mm. and it, even even though those weren't even your lyrics they were uh in the song that, that was <laughs> yeah and i'm i'm, I'm actually kind of happy i've never uh, you know that it wasn't uh, you know, one of their famous singles that I've actually heard uh, because, yeah, you you sang the hell out of that. And and uh, Joe, your job is to be in the background and make her sound as best as you possibly can. And I don't think that could have gone any better. <laughs> cool. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, yeah, it came out good. And, and you were right, Joe. You said uh, uh, when the song first started playing, um, like it's a very like massive attack influence on how you're pr- you, you produced it. And I totally picked up on that. Like, it definitely feels like a massive attack. Like, all that spatial awareness that you have in there is... I don't know if it's just... It's not just reverb. There's a lot more essence going on that you put in there that sounded amazing. Yeah, I think um, there's a sort of vibe, I think, that we've sort of stumbled upon, which is a sort of somewhat cinematic and um, ambient Mm. mixed with heavier stuff, too. I mean, that's kind of, I think... Collectively, we've just sort of draw. I think we just draw on what has worked best for us over time and of our experience making music. Um, and uh, but really, like, there's so many things that we listen to. I, I sort of grew up and mostly played 
more heavy rock stuff but you know you have like a you have like a funnel and you listen to everything this that and all kinds of different artists bands at the top of your funnel and then it comes what comes through the bottom that's how i kind of visualize it what comes through the bottom that, that's a great like analogy you <laughs> and the yeah. bits that sort of filter through you know the things that kind of really subconsciously they sort of stick with you so i think that we had discussed about um massive attack and uh portis head and nine inch yes. nails maybe not so much the very heavy electronic side of nine inch nails but some of the more calm and i mean I, I love a lot of what trent reznor does in film soundtrack uh work yeah his film work uh as well and i think yeah so many of those things kind of filter through and it comes through into what we're doing so but yeah obviously making uh judy's excellent singing and uh um yeah there's several tracks where she's played the keyboard as well so um you know getting those to to shine through and just work around them to fit a kind of vibe of what we're going for, I think is, it's a challenge, but it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, a lot of experimenting and oh, as, you, yeah. as you know, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of great tools out there to help you experiment with different sounds and different <laughs> instruments. And thankfully now you don't have to carry a cello <laughs> around, <laughs> you, can have, you know, um, which I'm grateful for too, because I you also fit. can't spear people through the foot with it either. <laughs> that was the <laughs> other thing, like the, the little like screw thing with the spear at the end. He used to keep falling out, and he used to keep accidentally like kind of spearing people. But anyway, I think we've gone about the challenge too much here. But <laughs> <laughs> what what oh, uh, what what kind of preparation do do you do uh, b before vocals? And I'm not talking about the ba the warm ups or anything. Is there any because, like I said, you 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 speak or you sing with a lot of convic of a lot of conviction, as if you are speaking. Um, outside of the you know the the routine vocal warm ups and all that, is there any sort of of like headspace routine or anything like that 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 you put yourself into to to do a song like this or maybe versus a different uh, different feeling of a track? I kind of like to sit with a song for quite a while and and uh, contemplate it and sing over it and in this particular instance because I knew the song I kind of had to distance myself from it and then um hear this different version and then just sort of sing over it it's really strange because it ended up sort of almost mimicking what I do live um which is to kind of make everything quieter and so that my vocals are louder and but still in a quiet way I don't know how to come across with this but it's like um I went to see uh, Lamb Chop, who um, I was really fortunate to um, share a festival with one day. And um, they were the quietest band I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, literally, I walked in and you could hear a pin drop. Um, and afterwards, I was sort of talking to them and they were like, well, if you're really quiet, they can't talk over you. And it was just a really powerful message that wow. I heard that day. And then when I played live you know, the quieter you are and the more sort of stop starts and the more space you leave, the more people have to kind of take it in Yeah. and they kind of, they can't talk over it and they can't just, it's not background music anymore. Um, yeah. So this track in particular kind of parodied what I did live really. But also it was really weird because I decided when I was singing it over and over again for that last sort of refrain, I felt like it needed some kind of almost hopeful 
sort of refrain at the end, this everything in its right place, everything in its right. And I was convinced that that was what was on the track originally. And then I recorded it, you know, and then I listened back to it and I was like, it isn't on the track at all. And I realized that I'd kind of taken um, Radiohead and that everything in it, you know, that everything track that they do. And I kind of inputted that into this, but it really worked. And um, it was just complete accident, but I was convinced that that sort of thing would have been in there like a chant. And it's the reason I really like this track in reflection is not only that it sort of built everything from where we come now, full circle, but also like, there's a, I really like the powerful sort of, I'd still like to revert to that everything in its right place thing. It's just a really nice message. And um, I've had such beautiful messages from people who've been really struggling with this particular song, um, who maybe have found it by accident on YouTube, who are Nine Inch Nails fans, or, you know, it's just cropped up on something. And um, it's been one of those songs that have really reached people who have just sort of heard it in a different light when they needed to. So that's been really powerful. So it's been really lovely. Yeah. I've got, I've got three things three to things. take away from everything you guys have <clears throat> just said. Um, the Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails would have been a fantastic mashup. If you did like blend those two songs together, I can totally hear how they can mix. Um, the second thing is, uh, Joe, you said um, it's very cinematic. Like you like all of like Trent Reznor's like cinematic stuff. This song I could totally see in like a Marvel film or or some big like epic movie, like just kind of whether it be a trailer or like the exit music for the credits or, you know, somewhere in a film that totally fits. And then the third thing, which I think most importantly, is I am a strong believer in that the most important sound in any song or instrument is a rest because it gives power to all the other sounds that are coming through. And so when you have those vocal rests or even like a musical rest where you pull back and it brings that power to the next note that hits. And it's just I think you guys are killing it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, <laughs> it's fantastic. You, you took one thing that I that I said, Moose. I, I actually watched uh, the 90s movie uh, The Crow the other day and this oh, wow nice. this song would anywhere in that movie <laughs> a- anywhere <Yeah. laughs> this version of that song w- w- would fit um the uh the other thought that i had was towards towards the end about three quarters of the way through one thing i'm very um very particular about it and that i keep top of mind is is balance in in panning because i don't know if everybody feels this way or not but I can listen to songs that are not mixed, I think, in the right way, <laughs> where I feel like one ear is heavier than the other because it's getting more sound or anything like that. But one of the things that I don't know if this was conscious, uh, conscious uh, decision on your part, but when, sh- when JJ starts chanting everything in its right place, it starts off on the right side. And it just makes the ear feel heavy. And then there's a bit of a crescendo and a bit of a drop. And then she comes into the left ear at the same time. And in a way, it felt like you a way to build and release tension, like relief. I'm feeling heavy on this side. And now towards the end of the song for the rest of the, you know, the, the, the more banging part of the song, I'm now in balance. Was that intentional on your part? 
What a wonderful question. I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I, I think, um, I, I mean, I, say yes. Say yeah, yes. it was, it say was yes. intentional. I think yeah, actually, brilliant. I, um, I think everything is about, is about balance in, in a lot of things, life and music making I, to me anyway. Um, but I think that, uh, that could possibly have been, uh, I, I'm, technically, I would have probably put some delay on that track, and the timing of it was probably such that it it became that kind of that sound by the time it sort of played out. Um, but uh, oh, what was I going to say? Um, totally gone from my brain now. But <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, I, I oh man. Bear with me one minute here because oh, my, my mind has just suddenly gone blank. Um, I was going to say something that was... Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, uh, someone once uh, had mentioned or told me that when they produce music, um, every every track you have, I mean, where it makes sense, give or take maybe like the bass and maybe the kick drum, for example, pan everything, just even if it's oh, like... Yeah two to the left or two to the right give everything a bit of its own space in that whole kind of spectrum of left yeah. and right balance and um i i'm yeah i'm a big believer in in trying to do that where you can so for things like delays and so on like that that i would have put on that vocal where it started off on one side and then came through on to the other um it's always in my mind to try and make sure that everything has Everything's in its, it's in its right place. place. Yeah, everything's in its right place, no, right where it belongs. And, and um, you know, yeah. you, from a production standpoint, like you, you want to do that with frequencies as well. You're not just creating room in, like, you know, in thinking about 3D audio and where that particular sound is going to come into to the, uh, you know, the overall um, uh, sound of the track. But I mean, you do also a very good job of creating space within the frequencies. So these things stand out and others are sort of hidden. But what I'm what I'm gathering between the two of you. So between what I just said, adding adding tension, even if it was unintentionally on your part and then releasing it there. And even in that, you know, with the lyrics, JJ, that you were singing that are actually pulled from like Radiohead rather than Nine Inch Nails. This was two. These were two happy accidents, fortunate accidents that took place to, uh, you know, put. I mean, you took you took things that were in the wrong place and you put them in the right. I mean, it, there's a theme here, is what I'm saying. It's it's very good <laughs> and it created a great ending to the song. But I'm I'm telling you, uh, when I when I hear a track that that I am just enveloped by, I automatically go to uh, if I was directing this music video, what imagery would I be using right now? And if a song can put me in there, in my opinion, it's it's at least good. This was, like I said, this is perfect. As as Moose said, you know, over a Marvel uh, uh, scene or like like I said, the crow. This is perfectly the crow. I'm sticking with the crow. It's absolutely perfect for the crow. The crow uh, is very my vibe. I'm fine with that. Tim Tim yeah, Tim Burton crew. Batman movies. One of the, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. We are available for sync licensing. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We're all on the same page. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's one of the one of the aims for sure between between us both in doing music together is 
to one day, you know, get some kind of lucky break along those kind of lines. Obviously, maybe not as epic as <laughs> Marvel right away, but um, to aim, you know, towards that kind of direction as well. Because yeah. it's in our mind too, or it's certainly in my mind when I make music, it, there's that kind of uh, visual aspect to it too. Um, albeit not necessarily, albeit subconsciously at some to some extent, sure. you know, but the um, the kind of style which we have ended up sort of falling into creating, I think potentially lends itself to that kind of uh, that kind of place too. So it's yeah, yeah it's certainly a, an aim in life to try and get somewhere with that too at some point yeah no uh you know tomorrow marvel and you know we're we are here to help with that so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm wearing a marvel shirt for the audience um yeah, yeah that, that's great well hey let's 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 keep this this going so once again uh that is uh right where it belongs jj lovegrove cover of uh nine inch nails um that is only available on YouTube. Uh, if you guys want to go check that out, but where do we, JJ? Where do you want to go next? How do you want to follow that up? Sure. Well, it feels natural to go to autopilots actually, because that was like the next thing that we did, um, and I think that it follows on from that. If you're okay with that, Joe? Yeah, sure. That was the first song which we wrote together, first original song. Nice. All right. Yeah, I like the chronological order we're going in right now. This is nice. Yeah, we're sticking with Marvel. This is like the the origin. JJ Lovegrove <laughs> and Minus Cube, the origin story. Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. This is autopilots. All right. All right. For fuck's sake. Um, I gotta. <laughs> I, all right. All right. I, I got. I got too fucking much. But I'm uh, okay. All right, hold on. Oh, Figure oh, it out, bud. Okay, again, again, <laughs> the cinematicness. That's a word. Look it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, of, of this of this track is is just it's mind blowing. It's it's such a journey, and I I liken it in in like its place so far in your music as I know it is like the dazed and confused it's not the stairway to heaven <laughs> it's this extremely it's this amazing song that has this unique sound that is even like unique from what i've heard from you but like it's the one that you draw out for 25 minutes when performing live it's it, like this is the song that you just yeah. milk the <laughs> hell out of and uh I, I, JJ, I know you said you listened to a few of our episodes, but in case you didn't know, I am a, I, I go nuts over metal sound and strings at the same time. I'm a huge yeah. fan of Ramstein. I'm a huge fan of Metallica, <laughs> S&M. Um, I love all of that. And when you, um, Joe, I'm assuming that's you on guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, the, yeah. the the pinch harmonics. Oh Jesus Christ. Anyway, <laughs> uh, when when you're come when you come in with just the heavy distorted like like riff underneath, like that's dirty. And JJ, you are so your vocals are so even haunting, but still clean. And that just juxtaposition and sound is just it's intoxicating. Um, yeah, I, absolutely. Like, and and. Th I imagine there's still things, and and I'm pretty good at 
isolating certain sounds and stuff like that, even on the first listen of a track. But I'm sure I can listen to this five to ten more times and find something different because I'm hearing these subtle ooh and ah vocals that are just buried in the air and have this like panning effect. Joe, I have a question for you. When I'm producing something from from scratch, one of the things that I love is doing a piano melody and then using something like a harp and adding a slight delay on the harp to almost make it sound like one instrument on its own. And I didn't I didn't hear you doing that to the extent that I do, but it sounded like for that uh main piano melody, which I think was like a three one octave i think that's what that was it sounded like at certain points you were adding in like a harp with a little bit of a delay just over a few of those notes and i love that sound yeah that's um cool thank you so much yeah it is um there's definitely some sort of i mean midi is a joyful medium to record with so um there's definitely you know duplication of 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 lines and then you know you're applying like different instruments to them. So yeah, there's a there's a harp, there's a piano, and um, probably some other just weird little instruments that I've because you know probably you feel that have the same thing where you're looking for a sound. Sometimes I don't necessarily know exactly what I'm looking for until I hear it. But you can yeah. just one of the joys of MIDI is you can have your recorded piece and then just cycle through a whole bunch of yeah. instruments and things you've got there and some things won't work. Some things will be like, oh, actually, this could be really interesting. And you just stumble across some random thing that is there that, that works. So um, there's a great uh, kind of power in being able to do that. And it's kind of fairly quick to get results too, you know, thankfully that way. But it's, yeah, there's a sort of uh, finding things that complement each other. Like you say, like doing what you're doing there it really works and you can create a fairly sort of unique or certainly different sound by combining those things together. (laughs) Well, you, you, you both certainly complimented each other on this. So this was the first song you guys wrote. Uh, Did you guys write it together or did one of you take the reins on lyrics? Uh, Judy did the lyrics. I had the music already. um, So Julie, I'll I'll, pretty much, but uh, I'll, I'll, uh, (laughs) I'll d- come to you. What what what's the song about? What was the inspiration for this? Um. Well, Joe sent me through the music for stuff and his rough idea. So then it was just sort of feeling where it might go and sort of the the vibe of it, I guess. And um, it's weird when you sort of play them back because you sort of realise you're in a different headspace to what you thought you might have been in at the time. Um, so sometimes lyrics like present themselves and you don't really, you know, that you're happy with those lyrics, but you don't really understand the full extent of them. And, um, I'm quite, I like mysterious lyrics. I like powerful lyrics where they land. Um, but you know, in hindsight, there's a lot of bits that were taken out of this, um, that I taken, that I took out of things that were like, quite personal to me, but then I'd hidden them into this kind of narrative. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm really proud of this one. As, as you should be. Moose, what were your thoughts? Sorry, sending a quick text. I love that. <laughs> oh my God. So I was waiting for a chance to speak because you guys were going in deep and I was, I loved it. Um, I've heard the song probably a dozen times and this was the first listen 
that I noticed about halfway through, Joe, you kind of tease a guitar. Yeah. Like it's subtle. It's de- it's in there. And mm. I never heard it before. And I remember listening to it and subconsciously being like, man, this, this would just kill. Like the first time I listened to it, I was like, this would kill for a, just a shredding guitar solo. Like and, and, and like minute, I don't know, five I, in my head. And like the first time I listened to it, I was like, dude, this needs a guitar solo. And then like just ever so slightly later, you delay and you kind of tease it. And it's just just a, a hint of guitar in there and then you fucking deliver and i was like yes i remember like throwing something because I, I was listening to it on my my speakers i remember being like yeah like, through like my mouse or something on my keyboard <laughs> i was like there it is i was so excited and that's when i text mike i was like dude this song slaps dude you gotta listen to this song and that's the the text that he actually sent um yeah it's we currently yeah, have a, Gof- I, I a GoFundMe set up for the moose to uh, get a new keyboard and mouse. Yeah. I get excited. Um, no, yeah, the whole thing is just, just brilliant. I love, I love the dynamics of it. I love the etherealness of the vocals and the instrumentation. And yeah, my favorite bit is right when the guitar solo really comes in. Cause I was just like, yeah, it gives me goosebumps and I get pumped every time just cause I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. But I was longing for it, and then when you finally delivered it, it just was just that much more satisfying. You guys are like the cars; you gave him just what he needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think we've definitely kind of um, that that whole building of tension, and um, there's a lot of progressiveness to it. I guess you know it's not like progressive rock as such, but there's a kind of building of. I love um, yeah songs that have like great big endings, and they work themselves towards that ending and you get some kind of payoff from from actually sitting through like five minutes prior to it (laughs) you know but um and we've done a couple of songs that have that similar kind of arrangement to them but um yeah the the guitar solo uh, for that one i am really pleased with that actually because um i remember just having the chords section before it was recorded thinking oh man i've got to do something here that's gonna kind of you know hopefully be some kind of payoff for all this long-winded build-up but um yeah no cool thank you very much uh, yeah what what kind of guitar did you use what car what guitar do you have um, I mean, i'm sure you have a few i have uh i use an evh wolfgang which is um a van haven well van haven um signature model i guess it's not the most expensive signature model I'll, right, I'll right, right. <laughs> it's the aff- affordable version of it but um it's uh yeah i i love that i mean i've been a like sort of huge van halen fan growing up as a as a kid and um was inspired by the guitar wizardry and so on you know but um yeah then he uh well they kind of went on to building some really good guitars and that gu- guitar in particular is just it does rock very well but it it is maybe slightly less versatile than some of the other more subtle types of music. But for this kind of thing, <laughs> I think it does work completely fine. So, yeah, it's, that's the one I kind of go to most of the time, to be honest. Um, so, nice. uh, question for you guys. Um, are you guys located in England close enough to actually collaborate in person? Or does a lot of your collaboration take place over zoom it's um we're yeah unfortunately miles apart um so it is very much um yeah emails messages and um 
calls uh, and also um, remote work, really, I suppose. I suppose that's one of the upsides of the digital, <laughs> this digital age where we can yeah. just literally record stuff and send it wherever across the world. And I had um, been used to working that way uh, for a while because the, the singer, when I'd mentioned there was three of us making music some years ago, uh, the singer was based in the US, so uh, it was the only way we could do it he would record and just send stuff to me. So I'm kind of used to it, but it's not really the most traditional way of, uh, no, it's not, it's not traditional, but it's, it's what everything's evolved into. Uh, and I know, I know from a production standpoint, um, usually I want to be left alone anyway, but JJ, what's that like? Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to be left give, give me the 65 tracks and, and the time that I need to get it done. But JJ, what's, how is that for you? Do, do you have anyone with you that's, that's, uh, that you're able to bounce ideas off of or, or say, Hey, maybe you should hit this note with, the, you know, this tone or anything like that. Or are you just sending 150 takes over to, to Joe and be like, all right, let's figure out which one is best. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a little bit like that, but it, it, it's, it is quite lonely being an independent artist anyway. I think I just kind of get used to it as a solo artist anyway, but yeah, I just, um, I kind of have to, be okay with the version that I send in the first place, if that makes sense. But then sure. that's no bad thing because then I have to kind of hone what I do and make sure that what I send I'm happy with in the, the first instance. Um, yeah. And then like, we'll go backwards and forwards and things and there'll be mostly, I'll do like a demo of something Joe will send over. Um, I mean, it depends. We work very differently as a collaboration on those projects to my stuff. So if it's my solo stuff that Joe produces, then I'll send over a rough demo and an idea of how it sounds and an idea for, it's normally just drums. I'm always just based on drums. I just go like, this is what the drums are going to sound like first. And then this is what the track's going to sound like. Um, but then as a collaboration, we work differently. Um, so he'll send over like his idea for a song and then I'll build lyrics around it and then send them over. But it is quite a lonely <laughs> Yeah. Um, process, I suppose, but I, I think um, that that's just generally what it's like anyway, but you just have to be, it, it's quite something, you have those wobbles where you're like, is this okay? I don't know if this is the final version. Is this the final version? And we all have those things, but, um, but yeah, it works really well, I think. Uh, no, I think so too. No, it does. I mean, <laughs> honestly, one of the one of the best compliments that, that Moosh and I have got uh, about this show is everybody thinks him and I are in the same room. Uh, and, right. I, and we're I, like 700 miles apart. Yeah. And I will, uh, you know, I'll extend and, you know, Brad lives near me, but we don't, you know, he's not in the room either when we record. He's at his own place. But, uh, you know, I, I will extend that, that compliment over to you guys. If, if you told me, oh, no, we spend, you know. 24 hours straight in a studio like working this out i'd believe you uh if that's the yeah. case you guys are a great match for one another Aww. that's and that, thank you I'm, that relationship i've special. been in those rooms though as well i've been in those rooms where you kind of try and do it and you you're there just sort of like oh can we go home this is not going anywhere you know <laughs> when you're in those band meetings or those rehearsals and i think for what you lose for being in a room you know, I think you do have time to consider what it is before you come to the party with something as well. And 
and there's something that's a bit stronger in that bond in that um you're both trying to impress each other a little bit as well you both come up with your best stuff right yeah before you get there rather than like i've got nothing you know i think you kind of polish it before you get to this thing so it makes the whole whole process a little bit quicker and a little bit sort of more refined i hope anyway well it seems to for us anyway no it it definitely does and and you know you were saying earlier that you know you you wobble on is this good enough or whatever and it's that's probably the hardest thing to do is to (sighs) save the file for the last time and export it (laughs) and agree that you're done and i i know you know it's one thing from a producer's standpoint but when you are playing or or singing your instrument that's to me that's got to be a different story i'm much quicker to end a project based on my production uh because i i i always have a, a slogan uh when i'm producing music for somebody um it's my job to make sure it sounds good. Not that anyone wants to listen to it. That's, that's, how, that's how I take it. Like, uh, however, however fucked up you sound, it's going to sound great. That wrong note is going to be clear as day, but that's it. So it's easy. It's easy for me to, uh, easier for me to put an end to a project, uh, from the production standpoint. But when you're playing a guitar or when you're singing like that just has to be, that has to be like your child moving out at 18 years old. There's relief to it, but there's also, uh, damn, yeah, could I have done something sweet, different? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There's, it's a lot of um, acceptance I've found in my own personal experience. It's like when you're finished with a product or a, a song or anything like that, you're like, well, I could always make it better, but I'm going to accept that it is what it is and move on to the next track because it becomes a point where it's like just drives you batty <laughs> trying to figure out what little, oh, just little little tweak here and a little tweak there. And I mean, to anyone else, they don't hear those little minute changes that you're making and it just it sounds great already. So it's just about accepting the project as it is. And I've I struggle with that all the time (laughs) i don't even want to know how many takes joe you had to get that guitar solo just right because when i lay down a guitar solo um i'm laying down well over 100 takes before i i I, am happy with my result (laughs) i mean i totally relate to what you're saying about the when is it done we know when is it it's never really done i think that goes for a lot of artistic things artwork as well and so on you know you could keep on going forever if you needed to tweaking and changing things there is a yeah there's definitely a point where you just kind of naturally draw a line whether you're so fed up of hearing it or you're just like if i change usually that decides where the line is i I am i'm this song is no longer cool to me it's annoying and i never want to listen to it again uh and and by the way we will never be playing the song creep at a radiohead concert because we can't listen to it anymore like it it has like the creep effect that's yeah there's so many songs that you feel you'd feel that way um it's it's true. I think we we all kind of just strive for that bit of perfection, and um, it's sometimes you know you just don't you have to just stop and move on, or it will just drive you mad, and uh, that's not good either, you know. So um, yeah, well, I think actually for that guitar solo, weirdly, it wasn't that many takes. But I tend to try not okay. overthink too much. There are plenty of songs. Don't get me wrong where I have recorded over and over and over and made mistakes on the very first note. And, you know, if I had a swear box, it would be full of coins. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. 
Well, I, I think the yeah. key there is, I mean, music is is built on imperfection. And, you know, as we were discussing on um, the the Nine Inch Nails cover that you guys did, uh, you guys made each, towards the end of that song, imperfect choices subconsciously. And it made the perfect ending, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, music is math, but then again, you can fudge those numbers, right? You can hit a wrong note the right way on, you know, intentionally on purpose, and it just adds a totally different thing. So, yeah, it's, it's a, it is certainly a, a weird process that, again, is not something I think somebody can be taught, but you need to understand it through experience uh, as, as we were talking. But uh, let's, let's keep it rolling. Where are we going next? Anybody? Not sure. <laughs> JJ, where do you want to where, where do you want to go next? I don't know. Should we go for better? Oh yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't see. Yeah, okay. Better was the sort of next song which we did together, I think. And then the two other ones you have are that uh, Judy's album ones, which are sort of much more recent. Uh, so if we're going down the timeline, then sure. better was the one which we kind of followed up with, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, here Good. we go. JJ Lovegrove and Minus Cube. This is better. I noticed you keep coming back in, in not only some of the instruments, um, but your vocals as well to that one like note. Um, where was it? Uh, that note. Like you keep coming back to that note and it, it almost embodies like an overtone for the rest of like the um, the arrangements, all the other instruments. So you're playing all these other chords and I would love to see just a, a chord layout of every note that's being played at once and just play all those notes on a piano because it would make the most insane um, array of overtones. Like if you had a grand piano and enough hands to play all these notes, it would create these amazing overtones that match that one note. And so you keep like coming up and singing that that high note. And then right there towards the end, there was another instrument that kind of um, tickled that note as well. And it just like it kept resonating throughout the entire song. And it was I loved it. <laughs> yeah i was like i kept like hearing that note and i was like oh my god it's like and like all the chords would change and the you know the instruments would change throughout the whole song but that overtone was still kind of ever so subtly like mm -hmm. present yeah it was good uh, well, that was all i it swept me away house of the dragon season two is is on its way at some point and this <laughs> this is the 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 title like track for promoting that show. I was, I was so in Westeros uh, listening to the, <laughs> like, and, and I mean, that's great. It's, it, I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal is to transport somebody uh, when they're listening to your music. And I'm just like, this is medieval. And you know, the talk of, of, of water and tides. And by the way, the vocal break JJ that you hit on, um, you, you said, uh, I think you were talking about empty promises or, or something like that, and something gets washed away with the tide. You hit a vocal break right there that was just amazing. Um, but, God, your, your, your guys' total sound is so cinematic. It's, trans, it, it's just transporting. Uh, uh, that's, that's amazing. This, this is, like I said, this is Lord of the Rings, 
Uh, <laughs> like it's it's, and that's because oh, one thing I thought of when I was when I was thinking of this was you guys aren't doing three minute songs for those with short attention spans. You're going back. <laughs> to the Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Rolling Stones type of idea where music should take you, each song should stand alone and take you on a journey. And, 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 and to pick up on great. that, I, I would say you guys love to tease. Cause oh, like, yeah. again, like at, at like minute four, it like, it slows down. I'm like, oh, come on, let's go. <laughs> oh, I'm getting antsy. Like, like, I know what's, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. There's a patience test involved. Yeah, <laughs> you had the uh, absolutely at the very end. You had that that rising like distorted piano chord that was holding, and then it just gone. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that too. Yeah, X. So again, I I like I I gotta ask, where's the inspiration for this? Because I don't think you got done watching. You know, Daenerys Targaryen uh, gets smoked at the end of Game of Thrones. Spoiler warning. And went, I got the right song for this. I know that wasn't your inspiration, JJ. Like, where did your lyrics come from on this? Well, yeah, Joe kind of sends me the stuff and I have to um, interpret and hope. And I sort of go backwards and forwards with him as well. And he's really elusive. And like, am I on the right lines? Because there's a real responsibility, I feel like. I could have completely rewritten the whole of his idea and made it into something else. And I sort of sometimes have to check in going, are you, am I okay with this? Like, and it's like, yeah, and yeah, it's fairly open. I've just, you know, I think he really sort of um, doesn't understand how great he is at composing these kind of things to then give them to me for me to hear what I hear in them. And it's a huge compliment for you guys to say that you hear them in something else because when you're writing them, sometimes you really worry that you're being too hyper-focused and you're writing about yourself and a particular situation. So when people say that they can be used on all these different things, that's a huge compliment. And the idea behind this, that like sort of vocal line that you're talking about, that sort of repetitive thing is like a Morse code thing that came to us sort of halfway through the process where we start it was a really tricky time to write this track actually because the news was really I mean the news is never good <laughs> the news <laughs> at this particular time was really terrible it was like a really bad migrant crisis still happening in the UK that's still happening now um with boats of people coming over to the UK trying to escape war and persecution and we're just like letting them drown or sending them back um there's all the syrian stuff it was the time of black lives matter and we were just sort of coming out of the covid stuff as well so it felt really difficult to release music you kind of you kind of felt like yeah we're back for like 5 minutes and then you were like uh, is it is it okay if we come back? I'm like, can we talk about stuff or are we? I, it just felt really awkward. I think at that particular period in time, and um, we'd done this track, and I think as we were writing it, I actually wrote this um, lyrically about. I've always had this. I don't know if anybody else has had this. I'm pre I'm pretty sure there's loads of people who've had this universally where since being a kid you kind of feel like you've got some kind of cloak of invisibility and you're not harry potter just that the world <laughs> doesn't see you um so i kind of wrote this track on that kind of pretense of they don't see me and that they all kind of look over me or they look at me or they 
I always feel these kind of things. And I just kind of felt that as a kid that, that I would grow out of that and <laughs> not realizing that as an adult, actually, you just feel worse when that happens <laughs> as you're an adult and yes. people just find you invisible as an adult. Um, so I kind of wrote it about being a fish out of water and being invisible. And and as I was writing it and seeing the news and stuff, I just sort of thought, well, how do people who are trying to integrate into different countries feel if they don't fit in as well? Like, how does it, you know, how do they feel? How, you know, there's this similarity there, really. And then um, the Morse code thing kind of came in as our conversation about, wouldn't it be really cool if we had this kind of Morse code thing kicking all the way through? So we, so Joe kind of did this Morse code thing, which was, um, I was, I was going to yeah, ask kind of about it and call it the Morse code thing, but I, I was too afraid I was going to say that. And he was going to be like, that was my solo. How dare you? Like, but I, I, I was, I was definitely thinking that, but you know, it, it's, it, it's, uh, I think the I think the rule that you're touching on um is that as as an artist if you do not have empathy you're not going to be a a great artist you can be a decent artist I think but you can't you like you're never going to be a legend it's never going to happen if you can't tap into those things and I think I, I'm I'm not an optimist or a pessimist. Uh, I try to put myself right in the middle, but uh, I think we can all agree that we are tired of these for the first time ever happening so goddamn often, especially over the last three <laughs> years. And, you know, we have, you know, anybody that's that's over the age of 30 has had two very world changing turning points we we have post and pre-covid and we have post and pre 9-11 and i know 9-11 took place over here but that foreign policy all of that stuff came as a result of of what happened that day and and then now you know we we've spent the last three years of like you said you know uh migrants uh uh that that has been going on like crazy like back in the day it used to just be between like cuba and florida for the most part now it's so widespread uh you know the 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 rise of black lives matter and and all of that other stuff like i i don't I, it's these things are not these things are great in the sense that I believe everything needs to be discussed. Every, the newness of everything. I don't care where we don't do politics on the show. I don't care if you're blue or black lives or matter or whatever the case. I have my own opinions, but everyone needs to talk about it at some point. And what the point I'm getting at for artists is there's no better time to write than during struggle. The best art always comes out. The Vietnam War, we got the Beatles. Thank you both for England and, and the Beatles, um, you know, the psychedelic revolution uh, le led to, you know, Zeppelin and, and all of that, that other Jimi Hendrix and all of that. Right. It's always out of struggle comes the best art. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people that that long for the days of Rage Against the Machine or Johnny Cash, depending on what time they're at, to basically have that middle finger uh, to whatever establishment they disagree with. And. While I don't think we have that, we have run the jewels, but I don't think we really have that. What we are seeing now are artists like yourselves that have benefited through these struggles in such a way that your introspection has increased. And I think a lot of people, I'm hoping when I said I'm not a pessimist or, or, or a uh, optimist, if I am going to be optimistic, it is that through all of this bullshit that 
everybody's going through in their own way. Empathy will win the day. That is not going to happen. I wouldn't bet my money on it, but that is my hope. And I, I think that creates great art and gives both of you who are so good at leaving space for each other to fully uh, flourish during these tracks. You guys leave enough space in your total, tr in, your, in your complete songs for somebody to transport themselves in any direction that they feel they need to. You guys are that good at leaving a blank canvas. So uh, like, that's what I've noticed. It's, it's great and the cinematic tone is on point. <laughs> Sorry, that was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. I just I, I kept having other stuff into my. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. I should probably explain this point a little more. <laughs> Mike, the only correction I have for you in that whole thing is uh, in England they don't have just the middle finger; they've got the two fingers, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, there's there's choice. In wait, that, you guys yeah, do two in fingers? The way of expressing yourself. Yeah. Either oh. or. Yeah. Oh, either or. Okay. Either or. So um, uh, it, it's the it's the super finger. No, 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 not the super. It's, it's the, the index in the middle. Yeah. It's index. like the, the, the old, the old fuck you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll need it's, to keep uh, that in mind. I'm, I'm planning a trip to Europe and if somebody does this, <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, they, they, too, they, they, they really like the peace sign over here. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, um, oh, gosh. I, uh, yeah, actually what you were saying was really interesting because I do totally agree with that. Um, something that I was thinking about when you mentioned about Rage Against the Machine was, um, I love Rage Against the Machine, and in that 90s period, there were a lot of great bands that were mainstream um, of an alternative rock and uh, grunge, and which that introspection and the viewing of the world in that way was um, how they predominantly, I would say, a lot of the music was about that, the world, mental health, and um, those kind of things. And it was being heard by the world, and it was popular. And I found in recent times, um, I don't know about your experiences too, but the, the mainstream world of music, what you hear in the charts and so on, has been very suppressed in the reality in lyrics and the world and that kind of expressing yourself. It doesn't seem to be, it's few and far between. You know, sometimes... When I listen to the charts in the UK, anyway, a lot of it's very much sounds exactly the same, and it doesn't say anything. It doesn't require you to really even listen to it. Are just... you telling? Are you telling me that WAP isn't the song of our generation? <laughs> I, would say, I would say it's not exactly got a, yeah, a whole lot to say. Yeah, it, <laughs> hey, in, 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 in WAP's defense, where that is groundbreaking, even though uh, I don't, uh, it's not my kind of music. Um, <laughs> I love hip hop. I love rap, but I'm, I'm kind of in a nineties, late eighties, maybe early two thousands box of, of, uh, uh, when it comes to that genre, what, why WAP is actually important is because men have been talking that way in rap music for decades and to have right. women come out and speak just as vile and raunchy as they do and make a, uh, make a chart topper. I mean, it's, it's, it's progress for macaroni in the pot. Um, it's <laughs> but, uh, not not a song I, I necessarily enjoy, but I, I felt like I had to defend wings and pizza. Um, right, right. <laughs> but no, it, it's oh, it's interesting, gosh. and I, and Joe, you're making me think that I, I think one of the reasons why artists aren't taking such a hard line on everything is because now what's changed is everybody gets to take a hard line. Everybody has a voice. Everyone has a seat at the table. And God damn it, there's 
the table's not big enough. It, there's just too yeah. there's too many voices uh, uh, there. But anyway, what's great about your guys's music that I'm enjoying so far, and I remember talking to when we had Brown Bear on, um, and we were talking about lyrics. You guys have lyrics and uh, and guitar solos. Guitar solos are dead. They're not cool anymore, right? Yeah. And nobody Everything nobody cares about dead. lyrics. Yeah. But Everything we do is dead. The long song's dead. It's like, the, I think that's the other thing that what Joe's saying is that the amount of times we've been told off by like radio stations, we're just sort of going, we're not, we're not playing this. This is over three minutes. Are you insane? Yeah. Like, and, and, and being an independent artist as we both are today, it takes a lot of balls to kind of go, well, I don't, I don't need your radio played. Like, this is the song. We're happy with the song. We're not, not going to do a radio edit. That t- that it's taken us. We've gone backwards and forwards on this quite a lot. And there'll be occasions when we get like a really big um, radio guy sort of saying, "I really want to play this, but it's just too long." And then we have that weighing up to do. Like, what do we do? Do we ruin the song? What do we do? Like, mm. um, so I, I, it is. I feel like. Everyone is telling us that people have got no attention span. They don't want to hear lyrics that are poetic or like long and who knows what they mean. Uh, no one wants a long guitar solo um, and an epic song or anything. But the comments that we seem to get and the fans that we seem to get, I like, this is a breath of fresh air. Yes. Thank you for doing this because yeah. we have we don't want TikTok. <laughs> we, we want a little bit. We don't want don't speed your tracks up. And so, and I think we're our own audience, and and we like you know you have to kind of like what you do, and it, it's oh, difficult to do that. It's really difficult to do it, but um. Yeah, you kind of in your stronger moments, you can dig your heels in. I think. Well, well, you know, I I saw a uh, a, um, a sign um, that was like advertising for this church that was, I was just driving by, and I saw a sign, and on the church sign it said "Practice Resurrection," and of course, their meaning, of course, you know, Christ and all that. But I think that applies here. Is what you guys are doing is practicing resurrection of of ideas and sounds and guitar solos that you know these long songs that we don't have necessarily in our you know pop charts or any of the charts that people are listening to You're it's not 40, on tiktok like you said years too late yeah you're practicing this resurrection of of music and and sounds that i think like you said a breath of fresh air it's nice to kind of have this revitalization of is that a word revitalization it is, it is now. now i i made i made up a word earlier yeah, so, you're, you're having this like <laughs> you know you're revisiting these these ideas, not necessarily the tones, but these ideas that have been kind of pushed to the side for commercialism. Well, and, and I'm I'm here for it. And speaking of commercialism, I mean, I, I don't know, I I don't I don't look differently on on uh, on a band that compromises to spread uh their music i mean i i would think of radio play in a shortened version as a commercial as an ad to bring people because this last track better uh that we played i mean the 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 world needs this uh the the young the youngsters may not know and they they may not get it immediately but you know i've been in this musical box for a long long time and thankfully for this show as much as moose has tried over the last 
12 or so years to broaden my musical horizons. Uh, he failed at every attempt because he has horrible <laughs> taste in music. Um, but okay, <laughs> but this fucking guy. What, 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 I've, what I've noticed uh, doing this show is no, that '90s alternative tone that I love, it's still there. I just gotta go. You don't even have to look hard for it. Seriously, like I, you, and I, you know, the Slow Cook Bears came from came from uh, uh, Rich over at Unheard Indie, but like Brown Bear and you guys, I stumbled across both of you. And like JJ, I don't even think I was following you. I just saw a thing that said something to the extent of getting your music out. Like, hey, I need the universe to do me a favor. And I'm like, yo. The universe is knocking. You want to come on the cut music? Like, it's we're the universe, obviously, and the center of it. it. You know, yeah. and now we're in It's brilliant. Thank you. So, uh, so hey, we we are approaching the more uh, recent uh, tracks that you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, have not released yet. Is that correct? Right. At, yeah. at the time of recording. At the time so. of recording, but this is going to be on an album that's going to drop on uh, August 18th? That's true. Yeah, that's right. And, and you guys are granting us our very first exclusive release of unheard tracks. So first of all, first of all thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that's a first in the world for us that I am more than happy to accept. Yeah, you're very welcome. Oh, we're, we're <laughs> super excited, and neither one of us have heard these yet. So yeah, so this could be where you kind of cut the whole episode. <laughs> just go, yeah. Can we just half this now? <laughs> I <laughs> we'll, make, highly, we'll make a radio edit for yeah. It, we'll okay. do a radio. <laughs> edit. <laughs> I I highly doubt that. Which which track uh, would you? Uh, actually, before before we do that, do you want to talk about the album that's that's dropping on? Um, August 18th. August 18th. Yeah, sure. Um, so I did an EP and Joe produced it for me. And then I sort of spoke to him about the idea about doing this album. And it's been, a, yeah, it's been a bit of a slog to kind of, you know, I think we underestimated how long it'd do. And like life things have gotten in the way for both of us. And but it's been a real journey for both of us to kind of put these series of songs together. But um, I'm so proud of what we've both done together. And then um, it's it's kind of encapsulated a particular moment in time for me. And it's been really cinematic, which Joe's greater. And um, so I've heard on the album, all the all the tracks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and all the tracks kind of blend together. So again, because we like kicking against current trends we're kind of um we're doing individual singles but the whole album itself literally crossfades into one another Ooh, so each track crossfades and it. it is a whole entire thing and the film to sort of go alongside it and it is a it's a product of sort of twilight to the dawn um and it runs over the course of one evening and uh yeah dark room is the first of those tracks and it's just sort of you love 80s you love sort of a bit of um oh yeah the guitar jesus i can't even yeah just <laughs> wait hold on <laughs> so so this this is a concept album that goes from yeah oh, oh. shit <laughs> <laughs> So excited, <laughs> <laughs> bringing that back to yeah. being long overdue. <laughs> it certainly has. I think the last 
like well done concept album that I've heard was American Idiot. And uh, God, that was going on 20 years ago. Uh, I would say the Decemberists oh, fuck, had for- their. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, Hazards of Love is a great concept album. But yeah, no, I'm I'm so excited for a new concept album. And okay. bring it. We we are starting with Dark Room. Yes. Alright, everybody, yeah. for the very first time, I get to say this. This is Dark Room by JJ Lovegrove and Minus Cube. And you're hearing it here first. Here we go.
my God. It, it, you know, the only thing that I hadn't heard from you guys, because I'm, I'm always thinking, what's this going to look like live? Um, you needed an anthem. And, yeah. And this is, this is that, this is your crowd sing along, like fist pump. Holy shit. Yeah. That was the, uh, that was the aim, I think, wasn't it, Judy? That was like the. I- <laughs> yeah it's gone down very well at festivals this this year yeah it's, it's great to perform thank you oh, i yeah. i was i love the guitar solo because it just it came in it did its bit it was like a perfect little seasoning of guitar solo and then it was like a, it was gone and like i was like that, that was perfect like that's exactly what it needed it, what you did was just less is a more. perfect like in and out. yeah less is more it was so like it came in Nice little guitar solo break, and then back to singing, and it was brilliant. I loved it. I, I texted, I texted Moosh because uh, I can't remember what episode it was. I don't think it's as at uh, the time of recording been dropped yet. But um, you know, a, again, even when you guys change up your style, the cinematic flavor of it is still very prominent in there. And I forget what episode it was, but I think Brad played a song from Florence and the Machine. And the first two mm. bands I was thinking of, and I was texting Moose and Moose, I was like, dude, this is this has got like that Kate Bush running up that hill, like overall sound to it. And he's like, Florence and Machine. I'm like, yes, that was the other band I was thinking of. Like, Yeah, th- I definitely picked up on both of those, yeah. And I think I said after I was listening to that Florence and Machine song, I was like, I want to go play Skyrim. And now I still <laughs> want to go play Skyrim. You guys are, your sound with those, with, uh, and I think it's like the timpani drums uh, that, that are in there. <laughs> And like the overall orchestra percussion just is, uh, it makes me want to go to war uh, in, in armor. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's so uh, like a lot of I'm your songs are. Yes, please. Uh, well, a, a lot of your songs, like the ones we've heard so far up to this point, are like the reflection of war that has taken place, like the aftermath or the bleeding up to, and then like this is like we're on the field. Uh, we're just for freedom and it's definitely it definitely has like a a a, like um i I could see like a a slow motion or montage like preparing donning armor and preparing for battle with this kind of like the drums like yeah (sighs) definitely feel that so good so jj i got a question for you um i have my own thought of what this means but i i want to hear it from from the writer herself um now you make me think what do you want no, no, it? no, amazing. it doesn't matter. That's the beauty. We can all, you can have a million different uh, opinions and they can all be correct. Well, um, it's about photography, right? Because it's a dark room. So yeah, it's all about no, photography. It has to be. It's all literal, right? <laughs> Plenty of people have gone to war in dark rooms. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, seriously, I've been in a dark room on three occasions in my entire life. And every time there has been a fully fledged night in there for some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what they're there for. Um, no, uh, Scooby-Doo. Do you, uh, the lyric was um, uh, something about the sun, but you say your uh, your gingerbread sons bring out your sons made of gingerbread. Your sons yeah. made of gingerbread. What? What? But it's kind of that? that kind of thing of like you can't catch me. That kind of I'll run, run, run as fast as I can. You can't catch uh... me. This kind of the the whole album really is about settling scores I think and like the whole concept is me at the start of the album sort of contemplating where I am in that particular position and realizing um the position I'm in and then feeling like do you know what like I've done this so many times I have 
redone this. I have gone over all of it. Like, I don't want to keep repeating this cycle. Um, and I think that you kind of had these expectations put on you in life. And certainly as a female, you have these expectations and Dark Room is one of those songs that is me kind of going, I see you. You make out you're a superhero, but really you're a bad guy. And then me kind of by the end of the album going, do you know what? Everyone needs a villain. I'm going to be the villain from now on. You paint me as a villain, I'm going to be a villain. It's kind of that. <laughs> it sounds quite dramatic, but I think that in small chunks of your life, you can feel like that a lot. Like everybody feels a little bit like that kind of. Like, what do I have to do to, like, be a good person? <laughs> like, I'm doing everything right, and yet, you, you know, there's always somebody who looks like a good person, but I know what they're really like. I know I've met them. <laughs> I've spoken to them. They're horrible. And this Dark Room track is kind of that kind of exposing of lies and exposing truths and kind of saying to everybody, look, do the same. Don't feel bad because social media wants you to sort of click the likes and follow people who are really bad people. It's just kind of like, and that doesn't matter who those bad people are. Like for me, they're in my family, but for other people, they're like politicians and, you know, superheroes in general. But so th this is, yeah. this is the beauty of art. And in this case, you know, lyrics, um, I was sort of on that track, but I thought you were referring to how easily, uh, how fragile, gingerbread men are and how easily they crumble and i thought that was a like i hope a, that is true a, a, met, a metaphor for uh the facade uh that that people put up is that it crumbles easily that that's so sort of in that in that same vein it definitely is and i definitely had the imagery on my wall when i was making it of the kind of old school um illustration of the fox and the gingerbread on the head and the kind of is it weird yeah. that I can't think of a gingerbread man without going immediately to Shrek? Like that, that's <laughs> my. You're a monster. Like that's not that's a gumdrop. What? Not the gumdrop. <laughs> that's immediately where I go. I'm definitely gonna. <laughs> it's gonna have to be the video, surely. Yeah. <laughs> Just take every clip of that out of Shrek and make it your music video. Right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Joe, mm -hmm. very different. Yeah. What? What? Di what? what was your what was the difference in your your process and i so far we've heard that basically uh from the way i understand it you make an instrumental track and then send it to jj and then she and then you guys start the collaboration process yes. um two questions was that the case with this one and what mindset process differences did did you have in developing this instrumental compared to everything else we've heard so far? With um, with these these tracks, uh, Judy will have written the kind of basic arrangement and the or maybe the entire arrangement and the the lyrics where it's like uh, I would have a demo and most of the time that's either just like got a keyboard and vocal track alone or there's a drum track and a vocal track or there's a just very kind of skeleton outline of it um and then uh when i first listen to them i can think oh this is a great piano ballad you know because that's the first thing i hear but actually there's a whole vision to the song which uh judy has has for it um and this album was a very different vibe to some of the sort of darker 
collaboration the songs we've done before like atmospheric feel yeah Yeah. but obviously i'm still putting myself into it and like we were talking earlier that funnel the stuff that comes through the end is like that's still going to come out in me recording certain tracks for it as well but um there's a vision for it which i try to create based on descriptions and what we talk about for each of these tracks so um I will kind of with with that basic demo um record the the tracks that will hopefully be the foundation for it and then we'll go back and forth a whole bunch of times let's try this and let's try this and um for example like I wasn't sure if any guitar should be in that particular song and then Judy was like why don't we try with some heavier guitar tracks in there just to sort of add a bit of weight to it and then mm-hmm. you know sure enough it worked um so um i think understanding the vibe of this album which is it is like a journey of, of a person through a period of time of one night and there's the tracks very much differ based on the time of day or the time of night and the point in this story that the album follows so for me i was like trying to get into the mindset of judy's mindset really um it was more about trying to sort of fulfill the vision and i've learned a lot of new things along the way because being from more of a you know more of the heavy and rock vibe there is some of elements of that too in in some of these tracks of course but it's not um completely that so i've had to sort of pull in elements of the 80s and go back and research yeah. i mean i love the 80s and the 80s music so uh, like i said hard, you're, you but... hit kate push and florence of the machine vibes on this i mean you you yeah. did exactly what you set out to do and i think overall uh this is your guys's opening at wimbley this is what you come out to <laughs> this is what gets the crowd pumped for everything else so you can then go back to one of your your earlier tracks and slow it down and uh, actually, you know, guide and lead the emotion of thousands and thousands of people. Like this works for that. Another song that I would love to see uh, a, a live uh, rendition of. And what? Um, I'm sorry. Did we actually say the name of the album yet? No, I don't think we did. Didn't I we? don't think we did. It's, <laughs> it's called "The Lines We Leave Behind." The lines um, we leave behind. Lines we leave behind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just uh, and then in the typography, the L, I, and E, and the S can be like sort of made capitalized. So lies or lines um, we leave behind. So yeah, that's the whole concept oh, of the thing about wow. how how are you happy about sort of. It's just like being. I don't know. I think the whole concept as well is like I was just getting really fed up with older people telling me that life's too short, and it just felt like older people were able to tell me that in a way of manipulating my life mm-hmm. but life is too short for me to kind of yeah you know do what they say as well so this kind of album was just like a no shit yeah life is too short yeah like and i'm happy with how i'm leaving my life behind are you like so i think in essence that's kind of where it comes from yeah really. uh, you know whenever whenever somebody tells me that life is too short i say well nothing you ever do will take longer but yeah i i've uh i I think everybody's had to deal with that uh, at some point or or another like what the hell do you know and uh i'll I'll quote taylor swift when you're young they think you know nothing and that's that's an issue because everybody's experiences are are very very different Uh, if you're 
you know, uh, 50 years old uh, and have never sang a note in your life, that doesn't mean shit when you get behind a microphone, right? Like experiences are going to be different. It's the amount of time that you that you've uh, put into it. But no, I I hear you. That that's a great background, and I I can't wait to see the the uh, album artwork when this drops on uh, a few days from when this episode is going to come out. So yeah, but August eighteenth. We don't just have one; we have two from this album. So I can you know I wanted, I wanted to yeah. touch on I wanted to touch on real quick is you know we're talking about. Uh, the the view of like older generations to younger generations and how we kind of get in the expectations of us are are muddled um i mentioned this on the episode brad and i did our emo episode Uh, i read this quote on uh, on twitter and this person said every generation was a teenager once and like as we get older, we kind of forget that we were also teenagers once or we were also younger. And so we kind of always take for granted the fact that we're just getting older and that we have the experiences we have. And then we kind of expect everyone else to have those exact same experiences. So it's kind of just a, a humbling moment to be like everyone has a different different experience, different life experience, different journey. And to kind of recognize that not everyone lived your life in your shoes. And if it wasn't that way, we wouldn't be able to take away what we need from any song. Right. Right. That's a, That's right. True. Hey, we, we have come full circle on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, before we play the next track, um, I hope that someday soon you release this album that's coming out on August 18th on vinyl so I can add it to the heap. Oh, yeah. I got a, I got a, I have a pile. I don't have a heap yet, but it would be it would be nice. I've got over 500 records and I want to add it in. There are some plans being made and I will, yeah, it's going to be very pretty. So I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Send it. Yes, you you, please let (laughs) us know. I will. I will. Uh, So in in secret, do I got to cut that part out or can the audience hear that? No, no, that's fine. As long as you send me those like merch corn on the cob things when you get them done, because that, that's <laughs> yeah. going to be, <laughs> oh, be a good payoff. Surely. Brad is currently in a lab working on those. Right yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking because when, when I heard the song, um, uh, the song we just played, uh, Dark Room. I was like, man, this would be an amazing song. So I, I wake up in the morning, especially on my days off where I have nothing else to do. Like, I don't have anywhere to go. I'll put a record on. And this would be an amazing vinyl to just start, you know, 8 a.m. Bam, put a record on and just start the day off with that. Yeah, I'm here for it. <laughs> While eating corn on the cob. While eating corn now. on the cob with a, yeah, with a little corn <laughs> yeah. on the cob. What are those called? Little, I think Brad called him corn on the cob holders. He seems to be the resident expert on that, so <laughs> I'll take his word for it. And he's a great player of the mouth harp. Uh, yeah. I think that was in the yeah, same I episode. don't think it's going to get him what he needs. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. We will, uh, I, yeah, we'll let him know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, we got one. We have one more track that's coming up on this album that that will drop here in a few days. And uh, this is called Trouble. Do you uh, you guys have anything you want to say before we, we play the song or do you just want to jump into it? I don't know, Joe. I mean, it was the last one to get done, wasn't it? Like, it was the first yes. demo that I did for the whole yeah. album. Mm. And Joe got super excited kind of going, yeah, this is, this is probably the single. And yet, for some reason, like we were saying about when is a song done? I, like, 
lyrically it became a bit of a noose around my neck of kind of like I didn't kind of want to let it go and I was like I don't know if it's finished and I just kept going and going and then um eventually I kind of had to go no I I think it's done I think I'm happy with the lyric and then just sort of record the vocal but it was the last track to be done even though it was the first demo that we ever did for the whole album which is quite strange but um but yeah, it's um it encapsulates the whole album maybe and just kind of this idea of um no one knows the trouble you're making when people have their eyes closed. And um if you're in that mindset that trouble has only just begun, if that makes sense, and that 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 sort of it starts a whole new era in your life, maybe of just kind of starting again and the reset and um yeah, I, I it's it's weird how some songs can sound quite depressing, but they're uplifting in the same way. If that makes sense. Yeah, we talk yeah, about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Joe, I, mean, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think this was the first demo which you sent me for this album, and it was over a year ago now. So, it, it, on the first time I heard it, I was like, "This song is going to be should should be." I think it feels like it should be a single, although there was only very few lyrics. It just had something in my mind this would be a great single but musically actually this is a great example of um when the demo was one piano and vocals track and and nothing more and it literally sounded like a really lovely piano ballad on Hmm. upon that demo but there's such a greater greater um vision for it which was like a kind of um the vibe you you said was like uh if you, you can picture yourself in the 1980s driving down a, a road in the night with the windows down in your car, seeing like the lights of the buildings in the distance and a very 80s kind of that dark nighttime kind of vibe. Um, and weirdly, I often just sort of think about that was quite a cool period of time. You know, you see like Miami Vice and stuff like this. It was like yeah, it yeah, back yeah, yeah. Sort of visuals. So it was that visual thing. Um, <clears throat> let's go and try and create that off this demo. And it, this song went through about three different versions <laughs> until we landed on something that had a bit more weight to it. it. It didn't have any guitars in it at all to start with. And then um, we were like, we need to try and give it a bit of uh, some, a bit of edge, you know, something with a bit of an sure. extra edge. So the, when we I put a bunch of guitars in and then it gave it a bit of a different life, but um yeah, it's a musically and technically, it was a, a good example of that process, kind of. So, so for context, since this is a story, it's a concept album. Where, where is this song on the track listing? Mike, this you're gonna have to wait track. and listen, huh? No, you can know. <laughs> so the first track is called "Run," and it's like pretty instrumental, and it's really, really short. And then "Troubles" first, so "Run" okay. goes into "Trouble." And this is the second track on the album. It sets the tone for the whole of the album, and then. It gets quieter and softer and a bit more that traditional collaboration of um, the previous stuff that I've done with Joe sort of towards the end of the album. So it's like angry, reflective. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. My the final song on the album is a, is a very epic one so yeah picks at the end well we're gonna have to wait for we'll all have to wait for that for a few more days before that album drops but for right now here's trouble
Holy shit, that was a journey. That was fun. Uh, the 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 flirting of the guitar again. Yeah. Um yeah. and how you move it from solo to rhythm uh is that that was flawless and then as as always over this amazing instrumental JJ your your vocals are just hauntingly soaring over all of this and just sealing the the that tone that that you guys have and that's the that's the cool thing is yeah you can listen to the these last two tracks and be like oh yeah that reminds me of Florence and the Machine that reminds me of you know running up that hill by Kate Bush but you guys have accomplished something uh, that I, I think is every artist's journey, and that's finding your sound. And you guys have the the calm, the the low sound that you guys have that that is your own. And then you know you have these epic uh, tracks like the last two that we just heard that also just sound like you. Uh, it, it's yeah, it's this, original and familiar at the same time, which I think is always. Uh, 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 always an, a major accomplishment when an artist is able to find that. Yeah, this last track, Trouble, didn't remind me of any one particular song or artist at all. Like, it just, it, I mean, it sounded, um, like that kind of synth wave rock way, like, yeah. like you said, the 80s. Like, it's very 80s sounding, but like the, future 80s the 80s like um when you think of like uh escape from la you know with uh, kurt (laughs) russell like those like those like legendary like futuristic sci-fi films that take place in like this neon future the cyberpunk future like this is very much in that vein but it didn't remind me of a single other artist so to speak or anything like that this this song was this song was fun i really enjoyed this yeah thank you thank you that yeah, a lot. that's awesome. Yeah, the, I love that. I really enjoyed the guitar work. Um, there was a, I don't know if it was a guitar, but there was like a little, I could, I picked up very, um, it kind of came in and out, um, like an arpeggio or mm-hmm. arpeggiator or something that was in there, like very subtle. It was like a, a, in a higher register. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell what it was, but I love that kind of, it broke up the, uh, you know, the, the, the rhythm of it a little bit. And I loved it. Yeah. It was just, it was a little, um, it is just a uh, synth loop, basically. But okay. um, there was something just gloriously 1980s about about it that kind of worked yeah. in this way. So um, in his tracks, so it was like, yep, yeah, that's, that's going to stay, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, and it's only three minutes and 26 seconds. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Despite what I said previously, we kind of tried with this because it, as, an, as a concept together, it kind of is like 45 45 minutes and 15 yeah 45 15 i think as a title so yeah we tried to um leave the epics for the end of the album so yeah i still think that was epic oh yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, epic's a good word yeah Yeah. no it's great you guys you guys uh first off thank you for for thank you coming on you uh and letting us uh present you to our listeners and uh you know hopefully we can get you guys uh, some some followers here on on the west on the western half uh, of of the world. Um, no, it, it's it's great, and I love talking process. And to have 
uh, you know, artists come on. Uh, we're always so flattered. And nothing flatters Moosh and I more than when somebody calls back one of our episodes. And you yeah. both did that. And we're both like, oh, my God. That's it's, it's. because honestly, like there's still some there's still some like uh, slight imposter syndrome on, on both Moosh and I's part that anybody wants to come talk to us about what they're doing. And uh, the fact that you guys did. And it's always been a blast with every guest that we've had on the show um, is why we started to do this and and we had to wait about six months before we felt we were ready to start having people on here and it's just been incredible and one thing that i said to the slow cooked bears uh that i'll that i'll uh, i think the same of you guys um they're a three-piece and we were asking if in the future you guys ever decided to add a fourth person you know uh you know what instrument would they play and they're like no we're not doing it scheduling sucks it's hard enough having all these big egos in the room um but what that led me to tell them was they found a perfect harmony between the three of them and what the sound that is so complimentary between the two of you and what you guys do for each other is that's that's a very very hard thing to do uh, you know, you guys could be, uh, you know, you could, you could take somebody like Adele and put her with Dr. Dre, who are both pioneers and masters of their crafts. And I would like to, th- to hear that actually. Um, but, but at the same time, at the same time, that doesn't mean that their chemistry is going to produce something as, as special as it is when, you know, you two, uh, you know, found each other or some of the other artists that we've talked to. And actually, that's a good question. How did you two actually find one another? Um, it was uh, during the time that I was, when I was, um, it was more of a band situation that kind of dissolved over time. Um, and then I was looking to, for someone that I could hope to collaborate with, um, with vocals. And um, I found judy's music on instagram of all places and um i kind of just i heard one or two of her tracks from from uh previous sort of releases and uh the music and the visual uh aspect of it too because the videos that she had put together were really um really excellent and i kind of just couldn't stop thinking about them i was like oh, i really need to just perhaps just ping a message and see I'd probably expect to have no reply, you know, because as a musician, I've been so used to contacting people over the years that you never hear back from. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, yeah, she she did reply, and um, we just sort of, I think, talked a little bit about music, which we both enjoyed listening to and met some kind of common ground. And then I was like, well, should we maybe just try and do a cover just to see what happens? You know, there's no pressure on writing Great anything idea. too much that way. Um, yeah. which was the nine inch nails one. And it was just, uh, it was just from that really. Yeah. It was... how, how could you not want to continue that relationship after producing that? <laughs> you know, it is, it is sentimental. That is, that is exactly how Moosh and I, uh, be, became friends and, and have carried on this relationship is, is we were, uh, we met, like I said, at, at improv and, uh, we were talking about, doing music he was the house musician and i was running lights in production and uh at one of the improv shows and uh it was like a stepbrothers moment because I, if i remember correctly i asked you if you ever recorded music and you said yeah i've done some and i'm like dude that's all i want to do is record music are you a radiohead fan and he's like 
yes. And I'm like, do you want to do a Radiohead song? You want to like do a cover from scratch? And he's like, yes. Did we just become best friends? And I'm like, did lightning just shoot through our penises? Yes, it did. And, and boom, Mike and the Moose were born. Uh, so yeah. it, it, it's cool. We had a very, we, we, him and I met uh, under very uh, similar circumstances. But yeah, you no, know, what you guys have is, is an undeniable chemistry. And what's great is from what I've heard so far, you guys have tried two different sounds and successfully knocked them out of the park. Yeah, and I'm really right. hyped for this album. I'm really thank excited you. for it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yes. and they'll be we're working on more collaborations as well, like at the end of the year as well. So yeah, we're excited nice. to just keep doing what we're doing and just yeah. um yeah. Very grateful for the universe bringing you guys to us. Yeah. When I, when we I feel, feel as I do. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll say it again. Twitter is a horribly toxic place, but the music community is a completely different story. Um, yeah, it really is. I have met one dickhead in the Twitter music community. Community one, and I'm on Twitter every day for us. Um, and that is that's a uh, statistic I, I am more than happy to live with. Um, but no, we, Hey, we felt the same thing. And you know, when you were saying Joe, that you sent her a message and with musicians and artists, you're just like, I'm never going to hear back. Mm. I, I felt the same way JJ, when I sent you a message, I'm like, I'm probably not going to hear back. Um, and gotta shoot your shot, man. Gotta shoot that no, shot. Hey, you, you have to, and, and we have certainly reached out to other, uh, you know, like large, because we're trying to find our place at the, at the same time. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when we reached out to all three of you, Slow Cook Bears, Brown Bear, and now you guys, uh, it's always like, are, they, are these guys, like, are they out of our league? We don't know. Or are they going to be kind enough to, like, just want to come on and bullshit and share their stuff? And we've gotten lucky every time. But I have I have shot for the moon on a few things. Dead Sarah, uh, if you're listening. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Dead Sarah is, but, like, we discovered them earlier this year and we're obsessed. Uh, but you guys, again, a good rock band. Yeah. Thank you for, for coming on here. You guys have been, uh, absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing your music with us. Once again, the name of the album, one more time, just so I don't mess uh, it up. The lines we leave behind. The lines we leave behind comes out here in a few days, uh, which will be August 18th. You can find it on Spotify and JJ, where can our fans find you and keep up with you on, on the socials? Yeah, I'm I'm on Twitter at uh, GD Lovegrove or JJ Lovegrove on Instagram. But Bandcamp is my sort of income, so please find me there and share the love. That would be great. There we go, perfect. And when this episode drops, you can check out uh, uh, the description uh, on Spotify as well as in the uh, the tweet that I will share this episode on. Everything that you guys need to reach JJ will be on there and available. Help us support indie artists because, once again, we, we have been fortunate enough to have artists on here that are criminally underrated and, and not known anywhere where I think you guys are going to be in the near future. And as we've extended this invite to everybody else, when you guys have a new album coming out or anything that you guys want to promote, feel free. Hit me up. Let me know. We'll come back and we'll do this again. Yeah, Sounds I'm excited. Great. I'm excited for the future. Brilliant. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that I am an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Once again, JJ, Joe, thank you guys so much for being on. This has been an absolute blast. I can't wait for everybody to hear this episode. And you can follow us on Twitter at the Cut Music One, also on Instagram and YouTube. That is the number one in all cases. And for everything else, thecutmusic.com. Talk to you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you.